The world of retrofuturism fascinates me. In many ways, exploring it is like opening a time capsule, like being transported to another world not unlike our own. There's this dreamlike quality to the aesthetic of slipstream chrome that gleams beautifully in its reflections, to the curves so slick you can't easily tell where one edge of the machinery begins and another edge ends. This marriage of science fiction and vintage art deco represents in so many ways a clashing of worlds, a design that is both nostalgic for our recent past, fueled by 20s and 30s pop culture and American idealism, while also looking longingly outward at an uncertain future, deeply concerned with asking the burning question, where did it all go wrong? Retrofuturism exists as the dream of a future unable to be conceptualized outside the present moment's bounds and barriers, and in our fickle attempts to invent this future for ourselves, we can become terrified at the truths we uncover, unable to stomach what the worlds of shark-fin roadsters and 80-lane highways and god-fearing zeppelins that tower over the masses truly have in store. It is a force strong enough to wake up the sleeping subconscious of America and her mass media. Nations of the world, speaking the common language of science, probe for the Earth's secrets through countless centuries of ice. In his 1981 short story, The Gernsback Continuum, William Gibson coined the phrase Raygun Gothic to describe the fantastical retro-American dream world that occupied the fascinations of one Dialta Downs, the fancy lady at Barris Watford Publishing. The narrator's mission, should he choose to accept it, is to travel to San Francisco and take photos of these aging, abandoned architectural monuments littered around the desert plains, to document the tomorrow that never was. It's within this process of taking pictures that the narrator begins to feel an almost ghostly absent-minded connection to these places and their structures, from abandoned gas stations and isolated factory buildings to worn motels and rundown movie theaters. These fabrications represented the architecture of broken dreams. But whose dream was it exactly? Well, this is the question at the center of the Gernsback Continuum. Gibson makes this commentary about the role of advertisers, designers, media companies, and their executives of the early to mid-20th century in creating not just the future of our dreams, but creating the psychological impetus that made us long for that future in the first place, as some kind of mass media inception. There's a story tradition in using surface-level aesthetics and visual flair to catch our psychological fancy, ads and commercials which proclaim that there was a flying car in your future or a techno-gizmo with your name on it, and in their haste to deliver this dream of a future that wasn't yet tangible, not quite realistic or achievable due to the constraints of technology at the time, they created, in effect, a nightmare. A nightmare that spoke to something deeply painful and isolating. It's in those lonely deserts that a demon is awoken within the narrator. Or perhaps, more aptly put, a ghost. He begins to see these visions, littered throughout the desert plains. Phantoms and specters from the worlds of silver cities and neon lights permeating the very membrane between the dream and reality. The 
line between the narrator's 80s present and the Futuropolis concocted during the 20s and 30s inexplicably blurs. In a full haze of sensory overload, the dream permeates his reality, haunting him. Gibson describes these figures as semiotic ghosts, bits and pieces, fragments of deeply embedded cultural imagery that have taken on a life of their own. These are the stuff born of the machinations of the minds of not just advertisers and designers, but storytellers as well. From comics and movies to commercials and shows, popular media can have a mind of its own and come to life, taking the form of visions and dreams and nightmares that feel so, so real. The way we conceptualize aliens or frame the technology of the future It's all bathed under the light of 50s comic art and sci-fi movies, and it's in this way that the dreams born of mass media art have a tendency to consume us and present a future that isn't so attainable. The reality of their future is it's a future built for some, born of nostalgia that is misplaced. The narrator realizes this in another Raygun gothic haze, seeing visions of these perfect people in white, blonde hair, living in a perfect city. A city built on dream logic, with no concern about the finite bounds of fossil fuels, or the aftermath effects of foreign wars, or the realities of what building that perfect future really costs. This is the nail in the coffin for the narrator. It drives him truly insane. Because for once, he's able to see what remains blind to so many. That the whole thing, the whole ordeal, is a facade. That this nostalgia for the future, this paradox, a future that never existed and could never exist, is a dangerous thing. And the dreams concocted by businessmen and ad execs and the titans of industry aren't really our dreams at all. They are the stuff of nightmares that ignore the horrors of our real, tangible world. Our current moment may not be bathed under the light of slipstream chrome and curves or ridiculous flanges and ray guns, but it's the reality we have. The one that's central to defining our real future. Theater is a solo effort produced and written by me, A.O. Akingbada. For updates on the show as well as my other content, follow Mind Theater Pod on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to show monetary support, the Kofi link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.